Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <laughs> uh, thanks, LA. Yeah, I think Juan Soto's just about getting a home plate uh, right now. Good morning, everybody. Saturday morning, 94 WIP. I'm Glenn Mack now. Uh, Mike Sielski uh, away on vacation, so I have the privilege and pleasure of being joined by my pal Jody Mack. How are you this morning, Jode? I be well, G Mac, and you. Oh, couldn't be better, my friend. Although nice. the Phillies open the second half with a bit of a thud, they strike out twelve times last night. They, which it's not abnormal for them. They manage only one hit with a runner in scoring bay in scoring position, which is that not abnormal for them. They give up three home runs, and they lose eight to three to the Padres. So Jody, it, it got. I don't even want to say it got exciting, but it got maybe a slight bit hopeful a few minutes uh, toward the end. The Phillies score twice in the ninth. They load the bases with one out, so Bob Melvin goes to his closer, Josh Hader. Uh, but then Trey Turner strikes out. Nick Castellanos flies out with Bryce Harper on deck. Jody, here's my first question for you. The offense was expected to be so good this year because it was good last year, and now you have Castellanos having an all-star season, and they added Trey Turner. Scott Lauber had a stat uh, today. The league average in the National League is 5.7 runs per game. The Phillies entered yesterday at – I'm sorry, 4.57 runs per game. The Phillies entered yesterday at 4.51, so they scored three yesterday, so they're down at just a tick. Did you in any way foresee that the Phillies' offense would be this mediocre this year? And to what do you attribute? A lot of different things. First of all, that I think they'd be this mediocre. Those numbers you just gave tells you they're dead middle of the pack. They are an average offensive team. And with the lineup they put together during the offseason, I thought they would be not only above average, but well above average. Trey Turner, disappointment. Bryce Harper, not much power. JT Realmuto, much like last season, but I think he started to turn it around pre-All-Star break rather than post-All-Star break, is having a disappointing year. And let, let me just throw this forgotten name in there. And he's a little bit of a lightning rod in this town. Some people love him. Some people hate and hate him. They miss Reese Hoskins. Say what you want about Reese's inability to catch the ball. One of the two corner butchers on this team. I have been quite uh, critical of his inability to play first base. They miss his offense. 
say what again, say what you say about Schwarber leading off, but Schwarber and the Hoskins worked really well for the Phillies in the second half and in the postseason when they made that great run. I, maybe I underestimated how much Hoskins being out of the lineup was going to mean to them. But, yeah, when you've got a year where a guy like Marsh is having a better-than-expected offensive year, where Stott has stepped up more than po- post- most people expected in year two, where Bohm has been your best clutch hitter, and as you noted, Castellanos is an all-star, you're not supposed to be mediocre. You're not supposed to be middle of the pack. They've had a couple of big names who've come up pretty dar- darn small for them, including the leadoff hitter, Mr. Schwarber, who does nothing but hit home runs and strike out. Well, that, all that is a really good point, but, and, and particularly the Hoskins thing, because he's typically good for 30 homers, 80-something RBIs a year, and you're not going to get that from, from Hall or whoever else they have over at first base. So I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, so um, let, let's go through some of that. Before we go through some of that, let's just say today the Phillies have a day-night doubleheader. Uh, first game at 105, so Jody and I uh, are until, well, we're until 1230. We do leading off up till 1230. Good matchup in the first one. Blake Snell, the, the uh, left-hander for San Diego, has got 285 ERA this year and 132 strikeouts. Pretty damn yep. good. Versus Ty, the very hot Taiwan Walker. At ten and three, so that's a good one. Second game, seven o'clock start tonight. This is the Phillies' best chance. Ryan Weathers comes in with a lusty six oh eight ERA for the big lefty against Ranger Suarez. Um, Suarez two and four three seventy seven has not looked good in his two starts part of the All Star game. Jody gave up fifteen hits, nine runs in eleven innings against Miami and Washington. Right? Yeah, we need we need the good Ranger today. Right. And Ranger is all about we, – we, we know Ranger well enough now. It's location, 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 like real estate. If he's throwing it where he wants to throw it, and Ranger is usually very good with his control, being able to spot the ball exactly where he wants, he hasn't done that the last couple of games. His, his location has kind of disappeared on him. So one of the things about Ranger we've seen in the last couple of games, you can usually figure it out pretty early that the first couple innings, if Ranger is spotting it exactly where he is, where he wants to, that's a good sign. You're probably going to be able to get some depth out of Ranger. He's going to be able to go deep into the game. If they're making good hard contact and he's eating up too much of the plate, that's not a good sign because Ranger yeah. is one of those feast or famine guys. Uh, 215-592-9494. Uh, we'll take your calls up until 1230. So, so here we are. The Phillies are a half game out of the wild card right now. Three losses in a row after their big hot streak, um, almost up to the all-star break. And you and I do this every week. The how do you feel? Let's take the pulse. Let's give the number. It's been uh, – it was not good series against the Marlins. It was a uh, bad loss at home last night. I am back down, Jody, to 58% that the Phillies make the postseason. It's funny because you and I are usually in the same ballpark, but me just a couple percentage ticks ahead of you, and the same is in place again today. I, I would say low 60s. I looked up on Fangraphs today, their latest projection, and they've got the Phillies at 51%. So you and I are both a little bit more optimistic than the true analytics people who have them just above 50%. And I'll tell you where the big swing came. 
it was the last two games of that Marlins series. Yeah. Because, Glenn, you and I were here on WIP last Saturday, and they had won the first game of that series and were uh, right there knocking on the Marlins' door for potential second place. They lose those last two, lose again last night. All of a sudden, at least per fan graphs, Phillies 51%, Marlins 70 It was like 61-60 Marlins last week. And they were just one per day. Phillies win both of those two games. They're going by the Marlins like they're standing still. They just don't have that long load, uh, uh, road winning streak going. And that's what this is. It's it's a snapshot. You look, it changes every couple of days, moves a couple of percentages. Since you and I were last on the air, things didn't, other than Craig Kimbrell getting the save in the All-Star game. Things have not gone well since you and I last talked here on WIP. No, not at all. Not at all. We were riding high last Saturday morning, and since yeah. then, not good. But here's why um, Here's why I'm more optimistic than fan graphs or whatever the, the computer spits out. Uh, although I imagine the computer does take this into effect. But um, the, the, the two reasons, and here we'll just, the first one is, Nobody's played more road games than the Phillies this year. They played mm-hmm. 51 road games, which means that they have more home games from now to the end of the season than any team. I know in the National League, I shouldn't say baseball, but than any team in the National League. Um, and if you project ahead after August 3rd, 33 of their final 53 games are at home, assuming they can get good home cooking. And we know their success recently was that great road streak. But if they can play well at home, as they should against uh, a lot of sub-500 opponents, the schedule, Jody, is very favorable. It is. But as you pointed out, they've actually been better on the road than at home. Not for the entire year, because the first couple months of the season, they were particularly pretty bad on the road and uh, above, uh, above 500 at home. But over the last month, they've absolutely been a better road team than a home team. So, uh, if if you track baseball's history, yes, you're supposed to be better at home than you are on the road. I just hope that starts to apply like today with two right. games against the Padres would be real nice for home field advantage to jump back into the Phillies vocabulary. Uh, and the other one is I think they're going to make a move. Um, not, for, not for Juan Soto. Help me out. I know Juan Soto took the plane back from the All-Star game with Rob Thompson. But suddenly, all of a sudden, I'm like reading in social media and the WP that people haven't been traded for Trey Turner. Did I, did I miss some reality, yeah, or is this just I, like I, people I goofing around? I think that's people playing amateur general manager. Okay, fine. Uh, the the Padres, the Padres did talk to Trey Turner last offseason when the Phillies signed him. They were in play for him. He chose to come here to Philadelphia or stay on the West Coast with either the Dodgers or the Padres. Um, I don't believe, well, if he wanted to stay on West Coast, Trey Turner's the only one who could ask, answer this. Uh, I don't know that the Phillies' offer was better. I don't even know if it was as high. It Trey wasn't. Turner I mean, wanted, by reports, it was not as high. that He took less money to come here by reports. Understood. So uh, we know the Padres like Trey Turner. But when they didn't get Trey Turner, they went out and signed Xander Bogarts. So they now have three players in their starting lineup whose best position is supposedly shortstop. Right. Bogarts, Kim, who they play at second base, who's probably the best fielding shortstop of the ball, and Tatis, who they move from shortstop into the outfield. 
to clear the – so can you see them actually trading for another shortstop so they can have four players in their starting lineup that are actually shortstops more than anything? Where would they play, Trey, to just stick them in right field and go, hey, Trey, learn right field on yeah. the fly for us while we make a playoff run? I, I think it's fantasy baseball that's fine. I think so, too. I saw it catch – wind yesterday i'm thinking what the hell is this about okay so that's nonsense and let's just treat that as nonsense but i do think the phillies are going to make a move i do not see ownership with this much invested and they got a lot invested and they know what the postseason meant last year letting this season without making that big push that extra effort i'm going to read you one quote and then kind of get your take on this uh bryce harper in miami last weekend and bryce Will speak. Bryce will speak openly to the media when you know he's really intending the words for ownership. He said, we're really good. I don't think we're done getting anybody. I know that Dave Dombrowski and John Middleton are going to look for everything for us to be better. If that's bullpen, if that's pitching, if that's hitting or offense, whatever it is, I know that they're going to get what we need. After the break, we have some good teams we're going to play. We just have to keep going, keep building on each day. What does that sound like to you? It sounds like, well, I hope it, uh, my first thought was, I hope Bryce isn't angling for a bonus as an assistant general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. He's, he's kind of laying out there exactly what he wants to see Dave Dabrowski at all do. He's got a pretty good salary. He shouldn't need to be bumping it up any by uh, assisting out the uh, front office. Yeah. I I will always appreciate a player who speaks his mind and is not uh, afraid of wrangling some feathers every once in a while. You can take it too far, and Harper hasn't. He's walked that fine line, which I appreciate. Yeah, he's just telling you what he thinks. He thinks the Phillies are, to use a uh, card-playing term, pot committed for the season, that they've made such an investment and they're in the mix. It hasn't completely fallen apart. They're not dead in the water. So why wouldn't you just continue to feed the pod? Uh, I'm with you. Here's why I might be less less optimistic that the Phillies are going to do something significant here. I don't think they have the minor league resources. And if they do, like Rojas got called up yesterday, do they want to turn around and flip him uh, in a deal? And he wouldn't be the, the main piece. He'd be an important piece in the deal, but I don't know if he'd be the main piece. Add him to one of their good young arms like – Abel or McGarry or Painter, I'm not sure they're willing to go there, Mac, man. Uh, I think it would have to be Abel or, or McGarry. Uh, I mean, Painter, I don't know. it sounds to me like at this point, Painter's not going to pitch all season, which is unfortunate. The kid, there were such hopes for the kid as spring training began, he was going to be the young phenom on the majors. I, don't, I think it's a wasted year for him, which is a darn shame. Uh, it would have to be uh, McGarry or Abel. Would they do that? I think they would um, for the deal that, that would put him in the playoffs. Yeah, I think the Phillies, I think that's Dombrowski's kind of M.O. You think they would hold on to those guys? Would you, you, let me ask you, Jody McDonald, general manager, it's in your blood, uh, would you trade one of those, That that's really your two prospects, right, those two stud pitching prospects, for – and I'm I'm not going to give you a name specifically, but for a guy who would be either join your everyday lineup or your rotation or back-end reliever that you felt this guy's going to make the difference right now, may only have one more year on the contract after this year, you know, kind of short-term fix, player 30 years old or older, would you do that move to get back to the playoffs right now? 
I understand the question you're asking and the, the parameters you gave. It's so hard to say without knowing who that player I know, is. I, I, and I can float names at you, too. But in theory, I think they would because I get the sense that Dave Dombrowski, he's not going to be the GM in five years. I think his goal is to win it right now. John Middleton, I get a sense that John Middleton, and I love the, the you said pot committed. I think that's it. He's pot committed. So he'll, he'll, he'll make that move. I'll give you the guy. Uh, the, if you believe the Cubs are dead and they're going to be sellers, oh, if Marcus it. Stroman is oh. available, okay. he's got another year to go on his contract. It's a dual option for next year at twenty-two or twenty-three million. So, if you tell me you can get Marcus Stroman, and Marcus Stroman agrees to not opt out of his deal, and he's back with you next year again for twenty-two million dollars then, yeah, I give up one of my best pitching prospects. But if not, if it's just a guy who's better than Christopher Sanchez, so he's going to grab that fifth rotation spot, but he's not Nola, he's not uh, Wheeler, he's not Ranger, he's not Taiwan Walker, no. Just just to upgrade the fifth starter spot, no. It has to be someone along the, the, the lines and levels of Marcus Stroman. And the reason why I do Stroman is because – if you negotiate it ahead of time, it's a non-rental, and you actually have him for this year plus another on top. Well, the Stroman one is interesting because, to me, if you do that with Stroman, what you just said, it probably means you're letting Nola go in the offseason. I would, I, would, I would put A and B together on that. Starting pitcher is not my priority because I still have hopes that Wheeler and Nola can recover and have the seasons, at least the back end of the seasons, that you would like to see them have. Suarez, yeah, the couple outings not good, but I, I, I trust Ranger Suarez, and Taiwan Walker's been good. I think more than anything, Jody Mack, they need a leadoff hitter, and I appreciate all the number and and a outfielder, left fielder can field. I appreciate all the numbers when Schwarber leads off, but I just I can't take it. He he leads Major League Baseball with 117 strikeouts. Um, he just he cannot field. He's got a got a 313 on base percentage he's got the seventh highest on base percentage in a lineup of eight guys most of whom are not huge on base guys he gets more at bats than anybody on the team and he's got about the lowest on base percentage i just i I can't take it i know the logic i know that he likes to do it i i even know that they'll give you the one loss when he does it and so on but it's just i see it with my eyes and it doesn't work to me and here's the one thing I will say about Schwarber if they decide to go in another direction. If a leadoff hitting left fielder is their key acquisition, because I guess Bryce Harper is going to play first base almost every single day. Uh, uh, maybe. You're going to sit Schwarber when uh, Harper needs a DH day and then take the just acquired leadoff hitter out of left field. It, it presents a couple questions going forward if you're going to go there. Not that I'm saying it couldn't be worked through, but it's not just a plug-and-play type move. Uh, if you're going to go there and you're worried about Schwarber not liking it, this I will say about Schwarber, and, and I'm one of those who trumpets the one-loss record, even though a lot of analytics just fly in the face of him being a leadoff hitter. He's a good dude. He's a team guy. Oh, yeah. If if uh, the manager goes to him and says, "Listen, uh, we're we're 
We, we just can't have a – what do you give me, 311 on 313 base? 313 on base. 313 on base, guy leading off. I, I can't do it. I just can't do it anymore. I'm getting pressure from above our analytics, blah, blah, blah. Swarbo dropped down to five, mm-hmm. and you won't hear anything from him. He won't be He won't be moping around the clubhouse. If he considers the demotion in his mind, he'll deal with it, and he'll play hard. Uh, not that it helps him any in left field because he just can't play out there no matter how hard he plays. But he it, it won't be an issue in the clubhouse if he's taken out of the leadoff spot. So Joe DeCam, listen to Joe DeCamera on Friday. He said something that, I, that I, I've been thinking about a little bit, and I give Joe a lot of credit because he said it before I did. The guy with the highest on-base percentage in the lineup should be batting first. And he's a guy, by the way, who has the eighth-best slug. His on-base, 386. That's good. Slugging percentage, 400. That's not good. You know who that is? Yeah, I have Harper. Yeah. Yeah. With with all due respect to both you and Joe DeCamera, he would be my last choice. <laughs> well, let me, let me give you the logic and then feel free to shoot it down. He has not homered since May 25th, right? We know that. It's the, it's the longest home run drought of his career. It was... Before yesterday, 160 plate appearances. I'm assuming he had four last night, so 164. Um, he gets on base. He's got energy. Um, it's, it, if the power returns and he becomes an RBI guy, I can always put him in a more traditional RBI position. But on a team that doesn't right, but have then, the, then you have to solve the leadoff spot again. Well, but then, but that's then. This is now. This is now. I need a leadoff hitter right now. I don't have a good leadoff hitter. I got a guy who's got the best on-base percentage on the team. Let's give him the at-bats. Why not? Let's do it. Because he's on pace if you prorate just from the injury on because he missed a whole bunch of games at the beginning of the season. So you don't hold that against him because if you just pick it up from where the Phillies are at right now, you prorate his home runs, it would be five. So we'll cut him the slack of the 50 games he missed at the beginning of the season. So he's on a prorated pace to hit maybe six or seven. If Bryce Harper hits six or seven home runs, guess what? The Phillies aren't going to the playoffs. End of conversation. It just, it's, all, it's all over. It's all over. It's all over. No, they, they need him to find his power stroke. And if you put him in the leadoff spot, Bryce Harper being the intelligent baseball guy that he is, will try and do leadoff things. He will try and go the other way and dink a ball over the shortstop's head to reach first base and get an inning jump started. I don't want that. I don't need that. I need Bryce Harper driving the ball out of the ballpark. I don't need him. He, Mac, I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. Bryce is the only one who knows why his home run swing has just disappeared. Um I got to believe at least part of it is his mindset, and it might be the whole he thinks about a bad at bat, his first at bat when he's DHing too long and then sits there and it affects him the entire game. I, I, I got no, I'm, we're all poking and hoping and guessing here, but I don't want Bryce Harper thinking, all right, now I'm a leadoff hitter. I need to do my job as a leadoff hitter. No, 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 no. I need Bryce Harper in the middle of the lineup thinking I'm going to drive the ball out of the park with two runners on base and give us three runs. Now, he hasn't been good with hitting with runners on base, and you're banking on something that you can't be sure is going to come. 
but I, I'm not taking him off the major mission that he has, which is you got to hit the ball out of the ballpark, Price. Well, Johnny Most, because uh, I caught that reference there. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not going to read his mind. I'm not going to think that he's going to change his approach. Uh, I'm going to just think i got to win games right now. I am uh, half game out of the playoffs with whatever they have to play, 50-whatever games, 60 left to play. And we got to start winning now. And this lineup just is, to me, dysfunctional. And so I can do this now, and I can change it in two weeks. Uh, you know, I'm not, nothing's locked in anything. Um, I thought Trey Turner was going to be my leadoff hitter. That has not panned out yet. He's, what did he go, 0 for 5 last night with three strikeouts? Yep. Uh, and uh, I think the Schwarber thing doesn't work. So we'll ask the, the people, what would you do with the lineup? What would you do with the top of the lineup? Uh, am I nuts to think Bryce Harper batting leadoff is a good idea? Uh, in other quick news, Jody Mack, and we'll talk about this as the show goes on, James Harden remains unswayed, wants to be traded to the Clippers. Uh, my uh, three-word reaction is, I don't care. <laughs> yes. uh, I'm, I'm referencing Johnny Moach. You're referencing Tom Bigby. Where the hell are we going with this? We're backing, <laughs> we're backing up the old guy truck a little too hard. Uh, we'll see uh, how many of those other – Reverends, we get in. The Flyers yesterday do the right thing and just dump Tony D'Angelo. I'll get your take on that. And um, Eagles, oh, coming up later this hour, Jody Mack is upset with the Immaculate Grid. Do I, yes, I, I, I don't am. don't know why. But yes, I am. Okay. You got me hooked on this stupid thing, and now I'm ticked <laughs> off. Good. Well, uh, we'll, get, we'll get to that because uh, I did mine this morning. Did you do it this morning? You yes, that that's what I'm upset about. Oh, great. Okay. All right. Good. Hold on. We'll get to, we'll get to that. I did mine this morning. Uh, and Eagles camp opens in less than two weeks. The great, the legend Ray Dinger is going to join us at 11 to talk about that, and we would love to hear from you. 215-592-9494. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, bring on the summer heat with huge savings when you replace your old inefficient windows and doors with the great people at Guida Door and Window. Now, right now, Guida is offering their best discounts of the year with their big 40% off summer sales event on all expertly installed windows and doors. Have drafty windows you've been meaning to replace? Well, receive 40% off each window you buy. That's right, 40% off all high-performance, energy-efficient, triple-pane windows. If you need new doors, well, Guy has got you covered there as well with 40% off all high-quality entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, you can start your project with no money out of pocket and pay it off interest-free for up to 12 full months. Don't let these incredible savings pass you by. Go Guider right now so you can take advantage of these limited-time savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires July 31st. So call Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Well, that was prescient. Uh, the weather heats up, so does Schwarber. Well, we'll, we'll see. Um, we're talking a lot about the lineup. Uh, we'll take your calls in a second, 215-592-9494. Lineup is out for the first game already today oh. and 105, first game for the doubleheader. Um, and Schwarber leads off, plays DH. Turner batting second at shortstop. Uh, Nick Castellanos plays right field. Bryce Harper's got the, the first game off today, Jody Mack. Your, your guy, Alec Bohm. Gets the cleanup spot. Yeah, they did that one game down in Florida as well against the Marlins. Uh, I, boom, 
again, uh, th- this is the manager's want. If you're the manager, you're going to get you're gonna put out a lineup every day. You're going to be questioned and or second-guessed by guys like Glenn McNow, Jody McDonald at all. Uh, I think Boehm has earned it, so I'm okay with it. But he was so good. It's almost if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He's leading the team in RBIs, batting sixth or seventh. Why not just leave him in sixth or seventh? But if you're taking Har- Harper out of the lineup, yeah, you got to do some kind of adjusting. Yeah, you got the doubleheader, so you know it's going to be different lineups. Uh, JT Real Muto is going to play the first game today, bat fifth. Uh, the kid Ellis plays first base. And I will not be predicting a dual home runs for Drew Ellis today as I did <laughs> on a previous show with Clint right. Mack now this year. Oh, my God. That was that was like the pick of the decade when you yeah, did that. Yeah, that's right. The, poke, uh, the blind squirrel finding the nut in the woods every once in a while. But that, that was pure luck on my part. But I did like the guys at bats that I'd seen. So I said, what the hell, take a shot. And sure enough, he hit not one home run but two. Yeah, if that blind squirrel had bet a few of those nuts, he would be uh, retiring uh, with a nut farm. Uh, let's see. Uh, Edmundo Sosa bat seventh. He's going to play second base in the first game. Marshall play left field, and the kid Rojas is going to make his center field first start at center field. We'll see what he is up to. So that is your lineup for game one today. Let's talk to John in Maniunk. John, what's on your mind this morning? Hey, what's up, guys? You're just talking about Rojas there. Yep. I would put him in left and just have him like play all the time. That kid's tearing it up down already. I've never seen him play. I do know that I read a piece earlier this week, forget who it was by, maybe Scott Lauber, I'm not quite sure who I read by. So, But they said his defense is like the best outfield defense they've ever seen pass through there. So uh, yeah. to me, you play him in center. Um, yeah. You can see what he can do. He could be an ex-Gary Maddox, you never know. Could be, uh, well, but let's, I'm let's not relax. ready to go there just yet. <laughs> um, here's here's the thing that kind of, again, we're now questioning the manager, which I try not to do because I like the guy as much as I do. But at the beginning of the year when they had uh, Pache playing part-time, they would put him in left and Martian center. And then this last road trip, when they were both in the lineup at the same time and uh, Schwarber was out, they moved Marsh over to left. So I'm not 100% sure what they think of Marsh in center field. Because at the beginning of the season, he was their guy, and they were going to leave him there. And I would, my evaluation would be Pache's a better center fielder than him as well. And they didn't do that at the beginning of the year. They did it this last time. Now they're doing it with Rojas again. Does it tell you anything about whether they do think Marsh is an above-average center fielder I don't, or not? I don't think it does. I think because I, I think he is an above-average center fielder. I think it tells he you is, that, yeah. that those other two guys are better. Which is other good. people are like I hear other people talking about Boom. They're down on Boom. He's leading a team in RBIs. Yep. He's a that's, really he's a good clutch hitter and everything. So if you, uh, John, you say you want yeah. to put Rojas in left, and I'm assuming you want to play Marsh in center. So what are you doing with Schwarber? Well, I'll put Marsh in left, Rojas in center, short. Uh, well, Turner's playing short, right? Yeah. Yeah. So who? Who? What yeah. are you going to do, with Schwarber? I'm saying. Oh, Schwarber's DH, and you put Harper right at first base. Okay. Well, when that happens, and thanks for the call, when that happens, I think that is the solution, or at least if if Rojas can, can hit at a major league level, it's the solution. We'll see, you know, Pache coming back. But the manager said before yesterday's game that he anticipated Harper was going to be playing first base as soon as this weekend, and then after the game he said, oh, no, 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 he's not. 
Right. So, Jody, I, I still haven't figured out where and when, well, where, not where, when that's going to happen. And he also said that when Bryce plays his first game at first base, look for him to not be at first base the day after. And it take a, and then maybe he'll play back-to-back games and then he'll get a day off. And they're not just going to throw him at first base and go, guess what? You're playing the next 50 games at first base for us, Bryce. So it's going to be an ever-changing, evolving process. In the meantime, you are. And I always kind of put the onus on the players here, Mac, that there are no givens, there are no promises, even if you're a 20-plus million-dollar guy. Um, you have to be able to adjust with what the manager wants to do on a day-in, day-out basis with both where you are in the lineup and where you are positionally. But I at least acknowledge that when you do that, it makes it tougher on the player. You're, you're asking him to go a little further each and every single day. Sounds like they're going to have a very fluid defense and lineup going forward because of uh, trying to get Bryce Harper back out onto the field at a position that – I'm hoping is not his position for the rest of his career. And I have never disagreed with your thought that says, just if he's ready to play, just put him back in the outfield. Put him at left field, which <laughs> is easier to play in the right field, and you certainly don't have the throws from left field. I don't, I don't see how playing first base is going to be less stressful on him than playing left field. And one last Rob Thompson quote. He said, his throwing is great. Now, he was talking about it in reference in playing first base. But if his throwing is great at first, why can't it at least be average in left? Yeah. I, I don't get this whole Bryce Harper is now a first baseman thing. We've had a lot of guys in this town play left field who could barely Oof. get the ball Oof. to the shortstop. And they've done okay because they can hit. I'm, I'd am i rather have him at left than first. I'm, I've always been with you on that. Uh, Jay in Newtown joins us. Hey, Jay. Hey, Glenn. Uh, great to speak with you. I've listened to you for years, and, you, and I never mind running. Uh, never mind running errands on the weekends. I know I'm going to pop your show on. First time I've ever actually spoken. Jody, Very nice. Thank you. You got it. You got it. Has there ever been a scenario comparable? I'm trying to rack my brain. In Philadelphia sports, I'm 46, where a coach has held on to such an abject failure of an idea, despite its results, quite like Schwarber and Leadoff. Everything in front of our face tells us this is the night. Everything. I love Kyle. I get it. He was a great guy last year on the team. This is a nightmare for this team. What is he doing? And is there, I mean, does he have to hit 150 for him to stop hitting at leadoff? Like, is there any metric when he doesn't hit leadoff anymore? Jody, I'll toss that yeah. to you because I'm, Win, I'm with Wins and losses. I'm with Jay it's, here. it's that simple. That, that's what Rob Thompson is clinging to. The fact that, the and it's not a small sample size, it's over a year plus now since they put Schwarber at the top of the lineup last year into this year. They're 26, 27 games over 500. And in the games where Schwarber has started and played a different position, be it DH uh, or, or wherever else, they're below 500. That, that's it. That's the only thing that Rob Thompson can hang his hat on. Now, it's a pretty damn important stat, Mac. At the end of the year, it all gets decided by wins and losses of where you are in the standings as to whether it's a successful season or not. Uh, but you're right. All the other analytics statistics fly in the face of the results being what they have been. Is it even remotely possible that they've won in 
spite of and not because of him at leadoff. I mean, how is that yes. logic not staring yeah, yeah, I agree. It can be – and, Jay, thanks so much. Call again. It can be entirely – I don't want to say coincidental, but circumstantial to the point where it doesn't – because one follows the other, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the way to do it. Right. But here's the other thing you got to keep in mind. They could – Tomorrow, decide Bryce Harper. I'll go with your guy, uh, who you and Joe DeCamera say should be their leadoff hitter. Sorry, I disagree on that one. Stott, Foam, whoever you else you want to pick. You put them up there. They could hit. They could draw walks. And you could still lose games. It, it, just as much as they're, it's not because Schwarber's leading off that they're winning games. Yes, that's true. But you can put a guy up there who fits what we think a leadoff hitter should do, and they could lose games even more than they are, and then what do you do? I hear you. I, I, I do. I hear you. Uh, by the way, just as, as we go to break here, I'm just I'm, I'm scrolling through box scores as we're doing the show, and I'm looking at the Angels. Mickey Moniak is going to be this era's Ryan Sandberg, isn't he? No. No? Well, no. Let, me tell you, let me tell you what he's doing right now. He is hitting 319 with an OPS of 992. Went three for five yesterday. He has 10 home runs in, let me see how many at bats, 135 at bats. I mean, that's projecting to a 30 to 40 home run season from this kid. Um, I, I, I don't wish him poorly, but I got to tell you. And I, and I understand why the Phillies gave up on him because he had all these chances here and didn't do it. But he goes to the Angels, and he's great. Um, I'll explain why I said no as quickly as I did. If what you were attempting to put forth as a guy who just couldn't cut it here and then went elsewhere and was a very good player and had a good career thereafter, like Ryan Sandberg did, yes, I would agree with that. But when you just leave it as – San, uh, Moniak is the next Sandberg. Well, yeah, okay. Sandberg's got a Sandberg's a Hall of Famer. I'm not, I'm not putting. I'm not uh, putting Moniak that, in the Hall of Famer. That's why I say I Mickey yeah, yeah, Moniak yeah, is but, not the next Ryan Sandberg. Yeah, just in terms of like when when whoever at 25 years from now when you, when you and I are long retired, listening to the show and our in our comfy chairs in the retirement home, and somebody's doing the show of the ones who got away. I think Mickey Moniak may be the one that wins the gift certificate. Could be. Yeah, it'll always be Ryan Sandberg, but it depends on what area you're talking about. Yeah, by, but by that could, point, Ryan Could this Sandberg. be a trade that comes back to bite him in the butt? Yes, absolutely. Anyway, he is pretty amazing. 215-592-9494 coming up. Why is Jody Mack so mad at the Immaculate Grid? I am eager to find out. With Jody, I'm Glenn on 94 WIP. We are in the midst of the Philadelphia baseball season. Goes all summer long. We also got the PGA Tour, the Open next week across the pond, MMA, pro soccer, tennis, you name it, much, much more, all something you can bet on your favorite sportsbook app right now. Join me and download the Bet Parks Sportsbook app. It is the only sportsbook app that I recommend and play with. Plus, the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app follows you all summer long, whether it's down the shore or up to the mountains. Bet Parks has you covered right there in the palm of your hand. Odds, bets, slots, games, so much more. Check out their live in-game betting. Yeah, you, oh, you, you meant to bet the game. You thought about betting the game. You didn't realize the game. Th- like last night, Philly starting at 6 o'clock. Oh, not a problem. You can still get a wager in even after the game has started. They offer same-game parlays, teasers, and many more options, including... 
player props. If we're talking home runs, baseball, we're talking home runs, hits, strikeouts, night in, night out, game in, game out. It's there for you. All new users. Never played with Parks before? Bet $10 on your first wager. Get it right. Get $125 in a sportsbook bonus back. That's a pretty good way to start a win-win relationship. Join me. Have some summer fun. Get more action with your action with the Bet Park Sportsbook app. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. So during the break, uh, Jody, uh, producer Dan Wilson and I are talking about the thing that has basically replaced Wordle as the biggest time waster of my day, although I still do Wordle, but uh, it is um, the Immaculate Grid, which is now owned by Baseball Reference, smart purchase by them because basically it's going to drive everybody to their website. Uh, I did it today. I did get all nine. I didn't get a great rarity score. The, the, for people who haven't done it, let's see how quick I can explain it. Every day you get a different three-by-three three grid, so there are nine squares. And on the top are the uh, columns, and the columns will be two different teams. Today it's the Orioles, Kansas City Royals, and usually some achievement. Today the achievement is 300 career wins by a pitcher. And then down the side, you have three rows. Today is Cleveland, Indians, or Guardians, Mets, and St. Louis. So the nine squares, you look where they match up. So it's Mets and Orioles. So the question is, name somebody who played for both the Mets and the Orioles. You, brack your, you rack your brain, you type in a name, and you get, uh, if you get it right, ding, 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 you got it right. But you also get what's known as a rarity score. You're trying to guess somebody that not everybody else in the world is guessing. Uh, so, um, as I said, I got all nine today, but my rarity score wasn't great. I got Steve Carlton for St. Louis 300 wins, which so did 61% of the rest of the world. Uh, I got Gaylord Perry for Cleveland 300 wins, so did 28% of the rest of the world. But I did it, and I like it, and as I said, I'm pretty addicted to it. But you've you got a gripe here? Oh, yeah. Because uh, I knew I was coming on with you today, so I said, all right, I got to get Immaculate Grid in. So I flipped it up today. So you always start with the one that you're pretty damn sure about. You, you, at yep. least this is my strategy. You knock out the ones that you're 99% sure about. Then you got to put your thinking cap on and come up with a couple other ones. So with my father having been general manager of the Mets, I see the Mets are one of them. So let me go there first. So 300 wins. They got a couple of layups. Tom Seaver, Nolan Ryan, and I know that Warren Spahn finished yes. his career with the Mets. That's who I got. So I figure that's the best one for the rarity scoring points. So I go with Warren Spahn, and of course it's correct. Yep. So I stay on the 300 wins, and I went up to Cleveland, and I just immediately went to Bob Feller. Because I know no. he was an Indian, and yeah. I thought for sure Bob Feller had won 300 games. World War II. He did not. Yeah, he, well, he was one of those guys who lost whatever season. He's like Ted Williams doesn't have 3,000 hits because World War II stole away whatever, two, three, four years of his career. So as soon as you get one wrong, you're like, oh, shoot. Yeah, do I even bother wanting to do the rest of it? Because if, if, if you – in any way, shape, or form, fashion yourself as a baseball fan, you should get nine for nine most days. So by my second guess, I'm done. Because yeah. I went Warren Spahn, Bob Feller, see you later, bye. All right, fine. I'm doing it for the show. Let me continue on. I got a couple of good scores. Uh, Mets, Royals, because this yeah. is, again, when my father was Mets, there. Mets, Royal. Oh, Mets, Royals. I have 
the most obscure guy in the world because I memorized all baseball cards as a kid. I have a guy named Hawk Taylor who was a backup catcher really? for both of those teams. Wow. 0.002%. Holy mackerel. I thought I was good because I had Joe Foy. Oh, Joe Foy, that uh, third baseman. Who was traded by the Royals to the Mets in yeah. the Amos Otis deal. And I thought, oh, I could go Amos, but he uh, was an all-star in the American League. See, that's a, good, that's a good strategy, which is think of a trade and then think of the lesser guy who Right. Went. Yes, good that's, strategy. That's exactly what I did. Uh, point, point four. Oh, that's good. Zero point four. Yeah, well, there you go. And then the Mets, I know my father had signed Elliot Maddox as a free agent, as a Met, and that he had played earlier for the Orioles or later for the Orioles. I, I penned him in it. Uh, Met Oriole, and I got another point zero point four. Well, that's so I had mind. good. Uh, good well, let numbers. me give you mine as we go along, because for Mets, Orioles, I did Ken Singleton. You remember him. Oh, Kenny, I love. I know Kenny. I rode in a parade yeah. when the Mets won the World well, Series in 1969 with uh, Ken Singleton and my father in White Plains, New York, in a Cadillac in downtown White Plains, New York, celebrating the great. former White Plains native as 1969 Met champion. Well, I got a 2% on that, which is okay. That's not bad, but not as good as your, as your uh, wait, not Joe Foy. Who would you have for that one? Elliot Maddox. Elliot Maddox. There you go. Good. All right. So here's where my annoyance level comes in. Yeah. Um, Cardinals, Royals. Yes. And again, my father was general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. I could tell you a whole long story. It's a great story, but it'd take a couple of minutes about uh, the trade that the Royals and the Cardinals made prior to the 1982 season when both teams ended up in the World Series. And the Cardinals traded Raleigh Fingers to the Brewers, Uh who was at the time one of the best relievers in baseball. Sure. The Cardinals had acquired Fingers in a deal with the Padres, but they already had Bruce Suter. Mm -hmm. So they didn't need two top-of-the-game closers. So they made Fingers available at the winter meetings. They ended up trading him to Kansas City. Um, And in the deal, the Cardinals got a young pitcher by the name of Dave LaPointe. Do you remember, remember Dave LaPointe? pitched for the Phillies at one point. Last, his last year in the bigs, 1991, was a Philly, yes. Yeah. Um, so I figure he's a good name. Sixto Lescano was in that deal as well. A all-tool outfielder could hit for power, had speed, everything. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a great hitter, uh, kind of like a 2023 player. Not a great average, but uh, gives you a lot of other things. Um, but I didn't know that if he played in the big leagues with Milwaukee or if he had just been a prospect. Yeah. So I didn't go Cisco, Sixto. I went LaPointe, and I punch him in, and it says wrong. And I go, damn, I guess he never made it to the big leagues. So after I give up on the whole thing, because now I'm ticked, because now I got two wrong. Forget it. I'm not doing the rest of it. Uh, I went to baseball reference, and Dave LaPointe absolutely pitched for the Brewers in 1981. And the Cardinals thereafter so they gave me an incorrect on a score well, that not, was absolutely correct. It's not the Brewers. It's the Royals. Oh, it's the Royals-Cardinals. Yeah. Royals yeah. Oh, that's why I got it wrong. It's I, I, you. It's not them. Yeah. I screwed up the deal. Yeah, you did. Oh, shit. By the that's way, I had Daryl That's why I got it wrong. I had Daryl Porter for Royals-Cardinals. Right, and they ended up signing Porter as a free agent because right. they put Ted Simmons in the trade to the Brewers – uh, that 
do, yeah, do you yeah. want to do you want to waste two minutes and let me tell you this story? Uh, no, because we got to get the, the break to talk to Ray. Can we? Do, but save it because we're on till okay. twelve thirty. All right, but save that. But so your gripe is not with this because I've done that too, where I thought like I know I'm right, and then I looked like oh no, I'm wrong. Uh, but anyway, that is the immaculate grid, and as you can see from Jody and I, it is a tremendous time waster and good way to get yourself activated. But I enjoy it every day. Uh, All right. Usually it's fun, except for the day where something like this happened to me, which then it's no longer fun. You're just ticked off. <laughs> I agree. When but you get most, most days it's a hell of a lot of fun. You get your yeah. nine, you go, yeah, that's right. I know well, what I'm, I'm really talking smart. about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll get back with Dr. Ray Dinger about uh, Eagles coming up and some other things, including, by the way, the New York Times deciding it's not covering sports anymore. I don't think Ray's going to be in favor of that. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. And it's time for me to talk to you and tell you to bring on the summer heat with huge savings when you replace your old inefficient windows and doors with the great people at Guida Door and Window. Right now, Guida is offering the best discounts of the year with their big 40% off summer sales event on all expertly installed windows and doors. You have drafty windows you've been meaning to replace? Well, you receive 40% off each window you buy. That's right. 40% off all high-performance, energy-efficient, triple-pane windows. You need new doors? Well, Guide has got you covered there as well. With 40% off all high-quality entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, you can start your project with no money out of pocket. You can pay it off interest-free for up to 12 full months. Don't let these incredible savings pass you by. Go Guide right now so you can take advantage of these limited-time savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires July 31st. So call Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. Well, the Eagles report in less than two weeks, so we'll be talking a lot about that and one person whose opinion, of course. We always value is the Hall of Famer, Ray Dinger. Nice enough to join us this morning, Raymond. <laughs> how are, you, How are you, Glenn? How are you, Jody? Hello, Ray. What's so, happening? Uh, we're great. And, and by the way, just so people know, you and I, Ray Dinger and I, will be uh, appearing at the Uptown Nower Performing Arts Center in Westchester on August 8th at 7 p.m. Um, program's going to be a lot about the release, the re-release of Ray's book, One Last Read, the paperback edition. Some of Ray's favorite writings. Ray, you you added to uh, the book. You got some new stuff in there. Uh, an afterward, uh, sort of an epilogue. Um, they wanted to do the book, and that was fine. Uh, but um, <laughs> looking at the way 2022 played out, <laughs> uh, with the Phillies going to the World Series, the Eagles go to the Super Bowl, they thought it might be worth another chapter. <laughs> so, so I wrote, so I wrote like a final chapter, uh, just kind of talking about last year, you know, and my decision to retire from full time for full-time work and then um and then sort of looking at all the excitement that happened here in philadelphia last year kind of giving one last look over the shoulder at what an amazing year 2022 was so that's so it's the original book which is kind of a collection of my favorite writings from over the years but now with this final chapter which kind of takes a look back at uh, the year that was 2022 yeah and you are, uh, we are going to also uh, discuss that uh, your play tommy and me is going to come to that theater the uptown theater in westchester September 8th through the 17th. Um, for ticket information, either for the show Ray and I are doing on August 8th, or for Tommy and me, go to info at uptownwestchester.org. So there we go. My Glenn, first question. I yes, don't Jody, know I'm if sorry. you knew uh, that uh, uh, Ray was good enough to come on my Birds 365 show this week. 
and uh, we uh, promoted the uh, afterward for his book. And I pointed out that it may be the first thing that Ray Dinger has ever failed miserably at, and that would be retirement. Absolutely. That he is the he is the worst <laughs> retired guy it's I've so ever true. heard of. Yeah, just don't don't say too much because I still like getting him back every once in a while. So you know. Um, and I, I do want to start with this, Ray, and I think I'm sure you discussed this when you were on with uh, with Jody. Um, the Eagles' aim this year is to get back to the Super Bowl, of course. It doesn't happen much. The only two teams to lose the Super Bowl and then win it the next year are the, are the uh, 1970 Cowboys and the 2017 Patriots. Right. Only five other teams ever even got back to the Super Bowl in back-to-back seasons but lost both times. I think, by the way, four, all of those teams are probably the Buffalo Bills, but nonetheless. <laughs> so why is it so hard, Ray, for teams to do this? Well, you're right. It is really hard. Uh, I mean, the math is, is pretty grim. I mean, if you look at the previous 56 Super Bowls, the teams that lost those games, those 56 losers, only eight of them, only eight of them made it back the next year. Not not counting, not got back and won, but just got it back. Um, and the last team, um, the last NFC team to go to lose the Super Bowl and make it back the next year was the 73, 74 Minnesota Vikings <laughs> with, you know, with, with Alan Page and that Fred Tarkin. the Bud Grant team there that's back a, then? That's a Bud, the Bud Grant team. I mean, right. they were still playing outdoors back then. So, I mean, that's that's how long it's been. And that's, you know, that's a pretty good sampling. I mean, that's not uh, – uh, that's there's a lot of years there and a lot of teams and a lot of really good teams that weren't able to do it. And that's the challenge that the Eagles face this year. And, yeah, you're right, uh, Jody and I and, and John McMullen did talk about this the other day. Um, and why is it so hard? Because you figure if a team got to the Super Bowl the previous year, they had to be a pretty good team. Yep. So why can't they make it back the next year? And it's a, a lot of it is just the nature of the league today and the game. Um, it's, you know, every year you have free agencies that are going to lose key players. And the Eagles have done that. I mean, they're probably going to have to get five, find five new starters on defense this year. And that's not easy to do. Uh, very often a Super Bowl team will lose coaches. And the Eagles lost both coordinators. So you've got to replace them. Um, the league is going to make sure that you have a difficult schedule. Uh, and the Eagles do. Uh, they're playing 11. 11 of their 17 games are going to be against teams that made the playoffs last year. Uh, and two of the teams that weren't playoff teams are the Patriots, who are never easy, and uh, and the Jets, who figured to be very improved with Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback. So you're going to have a tough schedule. Uh, but the other part of it, uh, I, I really do believe in. I really do believe this because I've talked to enough players who have been in this situation over the years. Is it's just emotionally, it is really hard. It's it's you work so hard to get to that Super Bowl that, that year, that work, that building, that grinding it out during the regular season, fighting your way through the playoffs. You get to that Super Bowl. There's the week of anticipation. There's the feeling that you're going to finally win a championship and uh, you know, climb the mountain, and you don't. And it's a long, long fall from that. And then you spend the whole offseason with everybody, everybody coming up to you saying, geez, what happened? What's wrong with you guys? You know, you should have won that game. So that's what. <laughs> so you take the big fall. Then you have to live with all the questions that are asked over the next off season, and then you come back to training camp the next year. And the reality is, you're starting over. 
you're starting over with a lot of new coaches, a lot of new players, but you've got to climb the same mountain. And it just, you know, emotionally it takes a tremendous toll. That's why, what the, that's why what the Bills did to do it four years in a row, even though they never won, to me is one of the great accomplishments, that they were able to climb that mountain four times. Well, now we're going to see if the Eagles can do it once. And it's, it's not going to be easy. You know, they have a really good team. Uh, and I think, you know, they have a chance. They, they really do. They, they do have a chance. But anybody that thinks that this is going to be a, an easy walk back to the summit, is, <laughs> I would tell you to look at the history because it'll tell you different. Ray, I'm going to ask you a, a, a more specific question for this upcoming season about an aspect of the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll start by giving you a couple of numbers from last year. Eagle passes to running backs. They only threw it to running backs 61 times over 17 regular season games, completing 48 for 262 yards and exactly zero touchdowns to their running backs out of the backfield catching the ball. They picked up DeAndre Swift, who had the same number of catches all by his lonesome 48, (laughs) 389 yards, which is 120 more yards than the Eagles uh, in total running backs caught the ball for and three touchdowns, which is certainly bigger than zero. So I know the Eagles are tied for last in touchdown receptions by back. I would not be surprised if they were last overall in the league. I just couldn't figure out a way to look up that stat. Team running back receptions, they just didn't do it. Will they do it this year? Is there a change in the offing? Will that become part of Brian Johnson's offense, running backs catching the ball out of the backfield? Yeah, I think so. I I think so. One of the factors is – that um, with Swift coming in and replacing Miles Sanders, and look, Miles Sanders is a good player and had you know and had a good year last year, no question. But Swift is a better receiver, uh, and I think that uh, assuming that Swift can stay healthy through the preseason and stay healthy going into the regular season, that he will be he will be getting the bulk of the work. You know, Ken Gainwell, you know, has come on well and he's developed really well and he was very good in the postseason last year. But we've seen DeAndre Swift now uh, over time. And he is more of a home run hitter. Uh, he's more of a slasher and a breakaway kind of runner. Uh, and I think that uh, if he has a good training camp, I think he's going to win the job. And if he's in the backfield, the fact is he's a better receiver than Miles Sanders is. So I think that you'll see them throw the ball there more. And the other part of it is, you know, if you're, if you're the Eagles, and, and this is true, this is getting back to your original question about Super Bowl teams coming back the next year. Every team in the league studies you. They have a whole offseason to study what you do and what you don't. And that, that works on both sides of the ball. So teams, I guarantee you, every defensive coordinator in the league has been studying film of the Eagles offense, which was so dynamic last year, and looking at Jalen Hurts and just saying, okay, what do we got to do? I mean, this guy, okay, he surprised a lot of us last year. He turned out to be a lot better than we thought. Okay, we're going to have to rethink how we're playing him this year. What are, you know, what the, here's what they did. Here's what they did in these situations. Here's what they did in third down. Um, okay, let's, let's game plan to take that away. Knowing that that's happening in 31 other <laughs> coaching, coaching offices around the league, you have to start thinking a little bit ahead of the curve here and say, okay, teams are going to try and take away this and this. So what can we build into our package this year that's going to be a little different and give us the edge again? And one of them would be utilizing the backs out of the backfield more often in the passing game. And I think Swift gives them the ability to do that. Would love to see it. Ray, um, this is a time when a lot of people put up preseason rankings, and a lot of them are position groups. And the ones I've seen rank the Eagles' offensive line is the best in the NFL. But I know that you've got some concerns over the plan to replace Isaac Samalu. 
I do. Uh, you know, I, I don't think people understand they're replacing. They, I think people think that Isaac Samala was just kind of, he was just kind of okay. But, you know, replacing him won't be that hard. And I, you know, I, I think that's wrong. I mean, Samalo, for a guy who really, uh, who really was drafted to be a center uh, and became a really good guard, over time and last year i mean the fit the fit of he right in there between kelsey and johnson was a good one uh and he he was very consistent um he was he played real smart didn't make mistakes you know wasn't a star and i'm not suggesting that he was but he was just he was just very good and the more he played the better he got so replacing him isn't just going to be as simple as putting anybody in there and i know that initially when he when he signed uh and left the the, the team kind of said yeah, well, we'll just move Cam Jurgens from center over to guard, and and he'll play there. And I immediately thought, I'm not so sure it's that that easy. You know, Jurgens is a center, uh, and we've seen centers move to guard, and they can do it. I mean, Dick, you know, Dickerson was a center at Alabama at the end, and he moved to guard last year and played really well. Um, and as I said, Sayamalu played a lot of center, mostly center at Oregon State, and he went to guard, and he was pretty good. Um, Jurgens, I don't know. To me, he doesn't doesn't seem like the same type of guy. He looks more like a center than a guard, and I'm a little bit concerned that if you put him in there, that um, that that he's just not going to be big enough or strong enough or physical enough to play in there and afford the kind of protection that Jason Kelsey kind of needs on that other side. You know, that's why I think that's why they drafted Tyler Steen in the third round, who who is a bigger guy, who was a tackle at Alabama. Um, and I think there's, you know, everybody's just kind of assuming that Jurgens is going to be handed the job and maybe he'll wind up winning it, you know, if he has a real strong summer. But I think I'm looking at this, the drafting of Steen and figuring this is going to be open competition. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're going to bring, even though he's a rookie, they're going to bring him in and give him a chance to win that job. And I think don't discount Jack Driscoll, who's been here for a couple of years and who has gotten bigger and stronger and can play tackle, but can also play guard. You know, I don't think it's as simple as just saying, okay, Jurgens is our day one starter. You know, I think it's going to be this summer. It'll be an opportunity to win that job, and I think you're going to have three guys in it. I don't think it's as simple as just putting one guy over there. Yeah, I think Driscoll won't get the job for one reason and one reason only. He's too valuable elsewhere. Yeah, they need him as the, probably work, yeah, his it works probably against, against him, him. the fact that he plays both guard and tackle, and Lane usually seems to miss a game here, and Isaac, uh, excuse me, uh, my lot on the other side, you never know. I hope he plays all 17. He missed a game last year, too. I think his flexibility actually hurts him in that battle, but I hear what you're saying about the offensive line. I'm going to flip it over to defense, Ray. Sean Desai, new defensive coordinator. It's been pretty well stated, and Desai did a great job with the media the day uh, that everybody got a chance to talk to him. He did a very good job of sucking up to the city, which always scores bonus points. Um, <laughs> it's We know it's going to be a very similar defense to the one that Gannon ran here. If it wasn't going to be, he wasn't going to get the job Sirianni believes in the defense that they played last year under Gannon or the two years under Gannon. But we expect some things to be different. It's not going to be the exact same play sheet and call week in and week out. Where will we be able to see difference? Is there going to be any? Am I overstating it and going, eh, you know, it's got to be different because there's two different guys? Or is it going to be the exact same defense again? No, it'll be different. Uh, it'll be different. Uh, I mean, the new coordinator, you know, he's, uh, he, he kind of comes out of, philosophically, I think he comes out of the same school 
as Gannon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's, you know, he's also, and Vic Fangio was here as a consultant last year. That's the kind of defense they want to play. And, um, and he was, and, and he kind of grew up under Fangio. So I think it's what they were looking for. I think they were looking for a guy that would come in and, and wouldn't want to overhaul the entire thing, but I'm sure there'll be some changes here and there. And some of them will be dictated by the new personnel. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, you look at some of the some of the new players they've brought in. Um, you know, I think they've got some. I think they've got some pretty good players. You know, I think you know Terrell Edmonds is a is a pretty good safety. I mean, he's a tough physical guy who's uh, going to be able to who's going to be able to you know kind of bring that pop that you need from the safety position. And you know, Nicholas Morrow um, is somewhat undersized at linebacker, but I've seen him play well. And you're going to get you're you're finally going to get a chance to give Nicobe Dean a chance to really play and put his stamp on the defense. Uh, and we saw what he did as a college player uh, we, uh, playing. And, you know, Glenn and I talked about this endlessly for the last, for those last couple of we, years. We there. sure did. Um, I said, I said it was the best college defense I've ever seen. Uh, I still claim that. Uh, and, uh, and he was the guy right in the middle of it. And it seems like the Eagles, have, it seems like the Eagles have pretty much everybody from that defense here now. Uh, and I think that, you know, last year they were loath to make a change because things were going really well. So Dean played most of the year, only a handful of snaps on defense, and was mostly a special teams player. Um, but I think now they're going to give him the chance to, to win that job. And, you know, I know people are going to be concerned about his size, uh, and, you know, that could be an issue. But I think he's just such a smart player and he has such great instinct. And to me in the NFL, there's no position that is so tied to instinct as linebacker. You know, that's that's – if, you, if you're not – you can't be a great linebacker in the NFL unless you're a great instinctive player. And he certainly demonstrated that to me as a college player. Now he's going to get an opportunity to show if he's that at the NFL level. And I know some people are reserving judgment on him, and, you know, I probably should too until we see what he can do. You know, but I think he's going to step in and play really well. And if he does, and he's the player that he was in college or even close to that, you know, his ability to move sideline to sideline and make plays sideline to sideline is going to make this defense look even faster than it was a year ago. Ray, I want to change the, uh, the topic just for a moment. We can get back to football. But uh, when I saw something that occurred this week within the journalism business, I thought of you and wanted your opinion, which is the New York Times announced that it is disbanding its sports department and is just going to go with coverage, uh, digital, by the way, not even in print, from right. The Athletic, which is the website that it bought, the sports website, which, by the way, I subscribe to, and I think it's very good. Um, but I also loved following the New York Times sports department and some of the writers. I, I think there's a sense that this has been coming for a long time with the Times. Um, first, you know, the rise of sports blogs certainly uh, impacted it, and then social media as the key way that people get their information. Hey, listen. I get my first information every day on sports on Twitter from Woj and Shams and Schefter and so on. Um, Mm -hmm. For better or worse, I guess the Times saw this coming and said, we're not going to cover sports anymore. I imagine this was a heart punch to Ray Dittinger. It was. It was. And and I think it was to um, any of the the guys in, in sort of our generation. Uh, you know the guys that, and even before those that are still around, um, that came into this came into this business at a time when newspapers it was a newspaper world, 
you know, in the days before cable TV and in the days before sports talk radio and 24-hour sports talk and everything. I mean, newspapers, everybody got their news from the newspapers. And the newspaper columnists and the beat guys, that's where everybody went for their information. And, you know, heck, that's why I wanted to get into the business. You know, and so to see it, to see it being taken apart piece by piece the way it is now, uh, it's 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 very hard. It it, it makes me very sad. Uh, and the, the, if if anybody hasn't been paying any attention up till now, they sure did this week when news came out that the New York Times is is is, is basically folding its sports section. Uh, I mean, geez, I mean, the New York Times, the paper of record, all the news that's fit to print now doesn't see fit to print sports. You know, uh, and you know, all the guys that were in that sports department, they, you know, nobody's being fired. They, they're quick to tell you no one's being fired, but they will all be, quote, unquote, reassigned. Yeah, Tyler um, Kepner, the great baseball writer, is now on the national desk, and he'll do right. a great job, but I want to read Tyler Kepner on baseball. Ex- exactly, exactly. And, you know, this is, you know, I mean, this is really kind of the Rubicon of Cross now, and, you know, there's no going back. And you look around what's happening to other – I mean, the New York Times is the big one, and that's the one that everybody's talking about. But, I mean, this, this is happening all over the country, and you, you see papers like the L.A. Times now uh, are basically cutting their staff in half, uh, and they're kind of acknowledging that, uh, well, you know, we're not going to get scores in the paper anymore. You know, we're, you know, we're not, we're not going to run box scores anymore. You know, and the Dodgers games, yeah, you're probably you – know, you're not going to get the game story. You'll, if the game's on Monday, you'll get it on Wednesday. I mean, really? And San Diego the same way. I mean, their staff has been slashed to basically nothing. So that's the direction this is going. And you're right. Everybody's getting their stuff from Twitter. And, um, I mean, you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago in, in Philadelphia, 30th Street Station, the newsstand. No newspapers. I, I know. Know. What a, how, just say that. Say that. At say it. Street Station that doesn't sell newspapers, but that's where we're going right now. Yeah. What, yeah, what I, do I they sell? Know. Lotto. I, I, the, our our uh, radio station, and I, I was there just a couple weeks ago doing a couple morning shows right across the Schuylkill from the 30th Street Station. I don't go over to the other side of the river because we're just on the other side, but you can see it. I haven't been over there. What do they have at the newsstand if they don't have newspapers? Get uh, Powerball because it's $800 million tonight? They, they, have, they have lottery tickets. They have candy bars. They have snacks. Uh, and they have some magazines. There is stuff you can read, uh, but no newspapers. Is that unbelievable? I didn't know that. That's just wrong. That's just it's sad, but it's wrong too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it really it, it it really is. And that's well, you know, look, I I'm I still ride the subways here in Philadelphia. Uh I live in the city so I get around by public transit a lot and I'm on the subways a lot and I'm on buses some. And you ride public transit now, you never see a newspaper. No. I mean it used the to fo- be the phone. Yeah, Everybody's be, on their phone, be, reading their phone. Yeah, everybody's reading their phones. Everybody's reading something, and mostly it's out of their phones, but you never see it. I mean, it's so rare. If somebody gets on with a newspaper, it, you do a double take. It's like, yeah. wow, look at that. Yeah, so well, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of where we are, and I, you know, it, it ain't going to change anytime soon. I mean, you're, they're moving in this direction, and they're moving at warp speed, it seems. Uh, but, the, but as someone who grew up in this business and really loves this business and respects the people that were good at this business, uh, it makes me very sad to see kind of where we are right now. Well, we were in it at the right time and got out at the right time, so that's all, that's all I can say. One more thing I do want to say, uh, because this is something that lives on that I'm delighted. The posting for the Ray Dinger Internship Program at WIP 
uh, is now uh, open. It is a comprehensive six-month program for a college junior, senior, or less than one-year college graduate. Um, I think it's great, Ray, when you retired, the station decided to honor you with this uh, permanent ongoing internship. And uh, if people want, the link is long. I'm looking at the link. Just Google Ray Dinger Internship Program if you know somebody who you think would be good. It's, it's seeking to invest in the future generation of sports media by creating an internship honoring you. And I, I think that's terrific. I think it's great. I mean, it was, it was Rod Lakin's idea. Uh, he proposed it um, last May when I was talking about retiring. And, um, and I, I said, boy, that's, what a wonderful idea. I, I, can't, I, can't think of, I can't think of anything better. Uh, to put my name to, um, because, and uh, I mean, you know that Glenn, you, I'm sure you get these, you get these letters and you get these emails and Jody, you probably do too from, from young people, kids, college students who want to get in the business. You know, how do I start? Where do I start? What do I do? Um, and it's hard. I mean, Glenn, you ta- I mean, you taught at St. Joe's kids that yeah, wanted to do this. Oh gosh. And, They'd say to me like, how do I get into the business? And exactly. I where do you, where do you go? Who do you talk to? And you know, you just kind of say, well, you can try this or you can try that, but here's something that you can actually point your finger to and say, Hey, do this, you know, go online, apply here and apply for this, apply for this internship and get a six month head start. Come to WIP and actually work with the producers. Learn how, learn what the job is. Learn what's involved. Get to know the people and get your foot in the door. Uh, and the, the fact that they could put my name to something like that, I think, is a wonderful thing. I hope people, I hope, you know, I hope people do that because, you know, Lord knows there are a ton of kids and you know, boys and girls that want to get in this business and they just don't know where to start. Well, here's a place to start. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a shortage of applicants. So uh, Google Ray Dinger Internship Program WIP. You'll find it. Uh, just last time, you and I will be at the Uptown Nower Performing Arts Center in Westchester, August 8th, a uh, program that's going to center on the release of your book, One Last Read, uh, the, the paperback edition, and uh, also uh, talk about the play Tommy and Me coming to that theater in September. For tickets or information, go to info at uptownwestchester.org. Ray, always a pleasure, my friend. I look forward to seeing you then. I look forward to seeing you there, too. I think you know, Uptown's a great place. You and I did a program there a year ago and had a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll do it again. So uh, always fun visiting with you guys. Talk to you soon. All right, pal. Be good. There you go. Thanks, Ray. Uh, real quick, we'll sneak in Matt from Fishtown and, uh, before the also, break. Hello, uh, Matt. You know what? Matt's listening to Ray. We'll put Matt on hold. We'll get him afterward. Uh, we'll take other calls as well. But coming up next is what we're watching. We'll tell you about our favorite new TV shows. 215-592-9494. Jody Mack, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. It is a Philadelphia baseball season. Doubleheader today, as a matter of fact, fills up after us here on 94 WIP today. Split doubleheader. All summer long, baseball goes. But you add in PGA Tour, like the Open across the pond next week, MMA, pro soccer, tennis, you name it. You can wager on it, and you can do so with my favorite sportsbook app. That would be the Parks Casino Sportsbook app. The only one that I recommend and play with almost on a daily basis. Plus, the Bet Parks Casino Sportsbook app follows you wherever you go all summer long, whether it's down the shore or up the mountains. They've got you covered. It's right there in the palm of your hand. Odds, bets, slots, and games. Check out the live in-game wagers that they allow you to bet. Make a good bet early. Double down on it while the game's ongoing. 
Make a questionable bet early. Maybe you hedge a little bit with your live in-game bet. Parlays, teasers, you name it, they offer it. You can get both more than just the score, player performances, prop bets. If you're talking baseball, hits, home runs, strikeouts. Next week's golf, who's going to win, who's going to finish in the top five, top ten. And for you new users, if you've never played before, how about bet $10 with your first bet? If you get it right, $125 back in the sportsbook bonus. Win-win proposition. Think about it. If you're looking for more action with your action this summer, you can get it with the Bet Park Sportsbook app. All right. Well, we're watching is sponsored by Gotta Door and Window. Take advantage of Gotta Door and Window's big summer sales event. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit gogida.com. Um, first thing, Jody, because I, I only saw one episode of this, and I think you were going to try to check it out. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Netflix dropped that new series, Quarterback. Yes. This week that features uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and now Eagles quarterback, former Falcon Marcus Mariota. I watched one episode. Um, I thought it was pretty good, but nothing like that I haven't seen before on Hard Knocks. I don't, I don't know if you had a chance to look at it at all. I did, um, and I watched two episodes, one more than you. But uh, I didn't even realize that all eight episodes were available. Yeah, I, I thought, thought it was, was going to be once a week thing, and then they're all available, and I didn't have a seven-hour block because they run about 45, 50 minutes. Some might be longer. Some might be shorter. I said, all right, let, let me wa- I watched the first one. I said, I got time. Let me watch another one. So I watched two. So I'm slightly ahead of you, but not all that much. Here was my take. You're right. It's very hard Knox-ish, if that's a word. I love making up words when I don't have one that actually fits. Um Behind the scenes, good interviews. I'll tell you why I didn't like it as much as Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks has the moderator, the great NFL Films voice guy or HBO Lev voice Schreiber. guy. Yeah. And and he just adds a football feel to it. They don't do that. It's all just straight from interviews. There's, there's no overseer of the production So I'm a Hard Knocks geek. I've always liked Hard Knocks. I'm excited because the Jets are on Hard Knocks this year. Didn't find out until just before camp opened up. So I don't think they really wanted to do it, but the NFL kind of said, yeah, we need you to do this. It's Aaron Rodgers. We're going to tell you, yes, you're doing this. Um, But I like Hard Knocks better. Here's the, the take that I had, and it may change over the next six episodes. They're all quarterbacks that you want to root for. They, they portray them well as likable guys. And I know it's tough for Eagle fans to stomach that since Patrick Mahomes did what he did in the Super Bowl last year. But he came off as a likable guy. Kirk Cousins, who I never thought of as a likable guy, came off as a, a good father. And he, like, he plays with his kids and bonfires and everything else. And even Marcus Mariota. Here's the one thing that grabbed me about Mariota. Man, he's almost as gray as McNow and McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Been around, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was only like last week that yeah. everyone was screaming, do the deal, get him here with Chip Kelly in Philadelphia yeah. he after aged, winning the Heisman in Oregon. Quickly, now all of a sudden that, he's gray. He did, he aged quickly. Uh, was he the president of the United States at one point that I didn't realize that <laughs> drove him right to this age, early gray head? Right, four years, it would be like 20. Well, let's talk about that more maybe next week. We'll get a chance to see more. I'm going to try to sell you on a show right now because – I watched this show. I didn't know I was going to like it as much as I did. I kind of like my wife and I watched a couple of really heavy British cop shows. Just wanted something a little bit lighter fare. 
So we watched Jury Duty, which is on Freevee, if you get that, or Amazon Prime. It's a mix. It's the office meets the Truman Show. I know you don't love the Truman Show, but I'm going to try to sell you on this. Here's the setup, Joey. A TV production company puts out an ad seeking people to volunteer to serve on a real jury for a real civil case in Los Angeles uh, in which they're going to show – they're going to create a documentary showing how the process works by following the case, the judge, the attorneys, the witnesses, especially the jurors, for a PBS documentary series. Right? Sounds pretty straightforward. 2,500 people volunteered to be on the show except for this. It's not a documentary. It's a mockumentary. Everybody on the show, and there are, there are several dozen, everybody is an actor except for one guy, a guy who gets picked for the jury. Every moment is scripted except for his reactions. It's a candid camera, pranksters, call it what you like show, all built around watching this one guy, but he's a 29-year-old kind of regular guy, every man, very nice guy. And the whole thing is fake, and he doesn't know it until the end. And I have to tell you, I don't know if I'm selling it as well as I wish I was. It is really funny. And one of the things that I was really pleased about it is I was afraid going in it was going to have a nasty edge, that he was going to be made to look like a fool and an idiot. It doesn't. It's fun. It's funny. It's kind of sweet at times. This prank show meets mockumentary is a really warm-hearted delight of a show called Jury Duty. You and I discussed it during the week, and you did the same sales job to me then that you just did to our listening audience now. And I was intrigued enough. I really didn't like the Truman Show. I didn't like the movie. And Ed Harris is in it, who's one of my favorite actors of all time, and I still didn't like it. So I was tentative about it, and I will admit that I didn't get to it. I started with the quarterback instead and got yep. my two hours in there. And then last night with the Phillies game coming on early, uh, I, I apologize I didn't get to it. I will. Uh, you, you did a good enough job for me to at least sample it. But here's the one thing I'll question you on. Yeah. Because I follow Glenn Mack now on Twitter. Mm. And you mentioned it on Twitter as well that you were watching it. And I saw some of the responses that you got mixed reviews. Yep. Not everybody likes it as much as you do, Mac. Probably true. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I can only speak for myself. I thought it was, it was hysterical. It's this guy surrounded by a lot of people who are kind of wackos, and they get sillier and sillier. But you won't know any of the characters except the the one thing they do really well is there's an actor named James Marsden who, like, if you said the name to me, I wouldn't know it. Um, he's like this B-list, C-list Hollywood guy. He was in the movie The Notebook. He was in Sonic the Hedgehog. You'd recognize. Yeah, his I face. know James Marsden. Oh, you know yeah. who he is. Okay, oh, good. yeah. Okay, so he plays himself, and the the uh, the guy who gets picked for the jury recognizes him, and Marsden plays himself as a conceited, self-centered actor to the hilt, and he he should get actually he is nominated. The Emmy nominations came out this week, and he is nominated for best supporting actor for playing himself as a first-class jerk. And this show was nominated for Best Comedy Emmy. And really? Nice. Yeah. I'm not telling you it should win, but it deserved the nomination, and it's great. And the guy who is the, the, the setup guy comes – did you watch The Office at all? Yeah. Okay. 
he comes. He's kind of like the um, the Jim character, except that he doesn't know it because crazy stuff will happen. The camera will be on his face, and he'll make like that kind of face. He's the straight man point of reference who tries to do his best in all these silly situations. So I really recommend Jury Duty. It's eight episodes, thirty minutes an episode. Uh, as I said, it's on Freevee if you can figure out where that is, or Amazon Prime. So. That's my recommendation. I will. I, I told you I'd check it out. I will check it out. Uh, I, uh, I I come in with a, with a uh, pre-question uh, about it because I was just not a Truman Show fan. I but I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded. You know that. Yeah, you are. You are. So give it a look, and everybody give it a look. Let me know what you feel. Uh, meanwhile, our producer, Dan Wilson, says he's got a, a pretty good recommendation. Yeah, so it's a documentary. It's only 40 minutes, so it won't take up too much of your time. It's called Speed Cubers. Uh, And it highlights mostly these two kids, but basically the world of Rubik's Cubing, which I don't know how to solve a Rubik's Cube. Most people don't. But I found that really, really interesting. And in particular, it highlights this one kid, uh, Max Park, who is currently the world record holder uh, for fastest time solving a Rubik's Cube. He did it in 3.13 seconds. I saw the... I saw on Twitter him solving this thing in under four seconds. It, it, it's ungodly. So, so that video, he did that after this documentary already came out. So I actually already knew who he was uh, from that, which was really, really cool. Um, and it, it really goes into the depths of, so Max Park, the kid, has was diagnosed with autism from a very, very young age. And this kind of teaches him the ways of, you know, participating in a group activity and connecting with friends and things like that. And the kid he's going up against was the previous record holder. It's really, really fascinating. The world of Rubik's Cubing is much bigger than I think most of us would probably imagine. Um, and the way they see these things is actually just pretty incredible. My son can solve a Rubik's Cube. I, 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 I could spend 10 years and, and not do it. Um, Same here. Speed Cubers, what network's it on? It's on Netflix. Oh, there you go. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate the recommendation. All right, Jody Mack, we come back. We will check in with the team doctor. Phillies have a lot of uh, medical issues going on. And at noon, we kind of move into leading off. Phillies have a 105 uh, first game against the Padres in the day-night doubleheader. And we'll sneak in your calls, 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. Hey, bring on the summer heat with huge savings when you replace your old inefficient windows and doors with the great people at Guided Door and Window. Right now, Guida is offering the best discounts of the year with their big 40% off summer sales event on all expertly installed windows and doors. Now, if you have drafty windows you've been meaning to replace, well, you can receive 40% off each window you buy. That's right, 40% off all high-performance, energy-efficient, triple-pane windows. If you need a new door as well, Guida's got you covered there as well. 40% off all high-quality entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, you can start your project with no money out of pocket. You can pay it off interest-free for up to 12 full months. Don't let these incredible savings pass you by. Go Guida right now. Take advantage of these limited-time savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires July 31st. So call Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go. Well, that was a highlight from right before the All-Star game, and Christian Pache was on quite a run. And unfortunately, he is now on the injured list. Uh, he reported discomfort in his elbow earlier in the week. Turns out he has a screw in there from a previous injury. The Phillies believed the screw may have moved, causing him pain, and he was going to see the team doctor uh, yesterday. We don't have the report on that. But Dr. Mark Pollard is nice enough to join us, our friend from Cooper Bone and Joint. Always nice to speak to you, Doc. Um, 
I have never heard, and I know a lot of people who have, you know, screws and bolts and so on in their body. Is it frequent that something like that may move? Um, nice to talk to you guys, too. Uh, yeah. Not uh, not under normal circumstances, no. Um, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around exactly what would have been the reason for a screw to be inserted. Um, you know, if it sometimes... Uh, like, uh, you know, t- young teenagers can injure their elbow and a little piece of the bone where the Tommy John ligament attaches can pull off. And sometimes that's tacked back down with a screw. Um, and sometimes people can actually get like a stress fracture in their ulna bone, right, where the uh, triceps inserts. And sometimes the screw is inserted for that. But, you know, theoretically, if the screw is in place and the bone is healed, you wouldn't expect the screw to move necessarily. Doc, here's my question on, you mentioned Tommy John, so I'm going to Tommy John, about Bryce Harper. Yesterday, the manager, Rob Thompson, said that uh, with Bryce getting close to being able to play first base for the Phillies, he's throwing well, and that can be interpreted several different ways, but uh, with the type of injury that Bryce had and the surgery that he had, rehabbing the ability to throw, is there more stress on making a tremendously hard throw from first base to second base, the distance is what it is, 80-some-odd feet, or a throw from left field, where the distance from left field to third base would certainly be longer, but you're not uh, trying to, you don't have to try and get there in a shorter period of time if you're turning a double play as a first baseman. That injury and the amount of throwing and length of throwing you have to do, is it all the same or is it different? Um, it's different. You would expect the, the forces, you know, throwing in from the outfield. Typically, you know, a couple steps are put into it, more forces put into the throw. And so by doing so, you get more force on, on the ligament. Uh, whereas, you know, an infield throw, although, you know, you're throwing with velocity, a lot of times the, they don't have, you know, a chance to take, you know, two or three steps to try to uh, build up, you know, more momentum, more force to, to put behind it. So you you wouldn't expect the uh, the peak, the highest force, uh, to be as high for an infield throw, even a hard one, as opposed to like an outfield throw, trying to make it you know all the way to home. Um, so, you know, although, you know, you'd probably expect the infielder would have a higher volume of throws, uh, but you know the uh, the Tommy John ligament injuries are, you know, they're uncommon in outfielders and even more uncommon in infielders. Yeah. Well. Apparently he's going to play first. I think Jody and I would like to see him in left, but there you go. Dr. Mark Pollard, we hope you have a terrific weekend. As always, it's a pleasure to speak with you, sir. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Doc. There you go. Yeah. I I haven't heard a lot of people other than you and I say that, unless I'm missing it, if others have reported or opined on such. But to me, when, when you do the defensive spectrum of most difficult to easiest positions to play, the easiest defensive position to play is left field, uh, and part of that is because you, you're usually you're just picking up the ball and throwing it to the shortstop or third baseman. And if he can't throw it home, then don't throw it home. That's not going to come up a lot. I'm kind of with you. I'd much rather see that. And I'm not a doctor, and yes, every once in a while we play one on radio unless we get an actual doctor to come out and join us and do do the right thing. But I don't even understand what he just explained, Glenn. 
if you're talking about making a a uh, first to second uh, back to first double play, yeah. If the ball's going to be hit on a one hop shot to Harper at first base. He's going to spin and throw to second, which, oh, by the way, is much more difficult for a right-handed first baseman than a left-handed first baseman, which Harper is right-handed. Yeah, good point, good point. You're not stepping into it. You're just flat-footing, transferring your feet, and I would think that puts more stress on your elbow with the fact that you're not stepping into the throw. You're stepping into it, but it's not a large step. It's not a big step. Most of the throws you're going to make from the outfield, you can come in if it's in the air, a guy's tagging up. You can build your momentum going that way. You can take that extra step from the outfield to get more on the throw. I think it's actually less strain on the elbow that we're talking about, the throw from left field than from first place, even though the distance you're going to be asked to throw the ball is that much further. I agree. I agree because you're going to have to make a hard throw occasionally. Left field, look. We understand what you're going through. Just loop it in, right? If, if we lose an extra, if somebody takes an extra base on your arm, then we'll live with that. I, I think the chance of being injured and left is less. I want to work just a couple things in here before the top of the hour. Uh, let's do a little Sixers Flyers. Jody, uh, James Harden uh, remains unswayed uh, athletics. Sam Amick report or Amik, I'm not sure. I apologize. Amick, yeah. Or, say again? Sam Amick. Amick, okay. Had it right the first time. Reported earlier this week that even though both Joel Embiid and Daryl Morey are trying to get James Harden to return to the Sixers, he uh, has put it out, and I'm sure this is agent speak, that he really, really wants to go to the Clippers next year. More power to you, James, but I here's the one thing I'll say about Daryl Morey, because Morey's done a lot since he's taken over, some of it good, some of it bad. It all depends on whether you like the guy or not, which you're going to emphasize. He hasn't made a blatantly bad deal as the Sixers general manager since he took over. You can question the way he handled Simmons and then deciding to go with Harden rather than a different trade that may have been out there. But you can't look at the Simmons trade and go, oh, that was a bad deal. It was a bad trade. Simmons is is a negligible NBA player, and you got a Hall of Famer for him. Now, Harden didn't do what we wanted him to do to this point, but you can't look at it and say he just made a flat-out bad deal. I don't think Daryl Murray makes bad deals. So he's not going to make a trade with the Clippers just to appease uh, James Harden because he likes him as a guy. So we're going it, to – come September and October, when he's still on this Sixer roster, Glenn – it's going to lend itself to some heavy-duty conversations in this town as to what the hell's going down. All right. Also, Flyers yesterday uh, cut ties with Tony D'Angelo. There's a whole lot of technical stuff under the collective bargaining agreement in which they, with Noah Cates' uh, pending arbitration case, they had the opportunity to do a buyout. And I, we can get lost in the weeds here, but the bottom line is this to me. Uh, Danny Breyer is kind of doing what he what he has to do, right? He he inherited some really bad contracts coming in, and they they you and I talked last week about the Kevin Hayes thing, and they got nothing for him. In the case of Tony D'Angelo, you get nothing for him, but I don't think in the case of Tony D'Angelo you can get anything for him. I think he was a terrible defensive uh, defenseman with an, an outsized contract, and he is now. Flames out of what four NHL organizations at age 27, and 
and good riddance to a to a bad player. The thing that annoyed me about D'Angelo, and again, this was the previous regime, not so much what they gave up in the trade form, which was probably a bad trade, but not a horrific trade. But then they immediately tack on another year to his deal. Yeah. Let him come in and, and prove that he fits with the organization and with your team or whatever. They felt the need to just, I guess, to justify the trade. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to tack on another year on his deal. So that's why they're going to take a dead cap hit for both of the next two years because of that. Yeah, so good riddance. The Flyers are going to be really bad for a while, but they got to they got to do it. They, they, you know, they got to get rid of these guys, and, and they did. So there you go. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we're going to do some leading off. We'll continue to take your uh, calls, and we're going to move into Phillies. First game, 105, Phillies-Padres. Split doubleheader today. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now. Hey, bring on the summer heat with huge savings when you place your old, inefficient windows and doors with the great people at Guided Door and Window. Right now, God is offering the best discounts of the year with their big 40% off summer sales event on all expertly installed windows and doors. You've got drafty windows you've been meaning to replace, get 40% off each window you buy. That's right, 40% off all high-performance, energy-efficient, triple-pane windows. If you need new doors, God has got you covered there as well. 40% of all high quality. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 